All right. Thank you so much for that. <clears throat> Landon and Cassandra, it's nice to see you guys tonight. So has it been a month now since you've been married or longer than that? You're, did you say it, it seems like a lot longer than that? Is that what you said? <laughs> I couldn't hear you very well. So congratulations. It's nice to see both of you tonight. Anyway, I hope you can see you afterwards. All right, Judges chapter 2 tonight. If you haven't got your Bible, I want to <coughs> read this uh, chapter with you. Church family, I want to talk to you for a, little mo- for a few moments tonight on this idea of falling away, apostasy. Judges is the prime uh, book for that because the children of Israel, they fell away from what the Lord had taught them over and over and over, actually seven uh, different cycles of apostasy. We call them seven different cycles because seven times in the book of Judges, the children of Israel <coughs> went through this cycle. What was the cycle? They sinned. They cried for deliverance. They cried. God delivered them. And um, I'm sorry, they sinned, they, God judged them. Forgive me, God, they sinned, God judged them, then God, they cried to the Lord, and then God delivered them. That cycle took place seven times in the book of Judges. And uh, Christians are no different than that in the idea of falling away. Sometimes we refer to it as being backslidden or backsliding. And, um, <clears throat> uh, but they're, uh, we're, we're getting closer to that. And you look at Timothy, we're talking about the last days. There's, there's a lot of that, people falling away from the faith, turning from the faith, um, rejecting what they've been taught all of their life. And again, um, part of that is because of the last days. But I want to look at uh, Judges um, chapter 2, just this, really this one chapter, because this chapter uh, really describes the entire book of this cycle that took place in the children of Israel's life and, of course, takes place oftentimes in the Christian's life. So we're going to look at it tonight, this idea of uh, falling away. Um, let's go ahead and just read a few verses together first and then we'll pray together. In Judges chapter number two, uh, church I really would like to read the entire chapter and I don't usually read that much scripture uh, at the beginning of a message, but there's 23 verses here and I'm gonna try to have you follow along with me and I might have you read some of the verses together with me also. But look at verse number one, it says, and an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to, I'm sorry, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And I think for a moment, an angel is talking to the children of Israel. The children of Israel are gathered together. You'll find out in the next couple of verses. The Israelites are all gathered together. This angel <clears throat> is speaking to them. And here's what he says in verse number two. And ye shall make no league. This is what God said. He said, I told you already. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you but they shall be as thorns in your sides and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voice and wept and they called the name of that place Bochum and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. Now, <clears throat> church family, in Judgeship number one, it lists all of these times that they did not utterly destroy the Canaanites, all right? Now, again, I'm laying a little bit of foundation. We'll pray and we'll, we'll look at this tonight. So stay with me a little bit longer here. But look at Judges chapter number one. I just want to point out the different times that they did not do what God told them to do. Verse number 19, Judges 1, 19. And the Lord was with Judah and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley. Look at verse number 21. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites. Verse number 27. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Beth Sheen. In her towns, verse 29, neither did Ephraim drive out the Canaanites, verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, verse 31, neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Echo, verse 33, neither did, the, did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh. Now, church family, you have to understand that when God told the children of Israel to go into the land uh, and possess, they were supposed to utterly destroy them. He was supposed, they were supposed to completely 
not leave them there. And so when you get to chapter number two, the angel is speaking to the children of Israel and said, hey, listen, you didn't do what I told you to do. Uh, and, and he makes it pretty clear in verse number two, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. So they did not do what God told them to do. They intermingled when God said, I want you to utterly destroy. I want you to get them out of, out of there completely. Now, pick it up in verse number seven now. In verse 6, Joshua sends everybody home. Verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath in the, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaish. And also all that generation, that generation being uh, the ones that outlived Joshua, the elders that outlived Joshua, verse number seven, if you've run an arrow back to it, that's the generation it's talking about. Verse 10, and also all that generation were gathered in unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them. So three different generations, this is the third one. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, all right? Uh, Joshua, I'm going to stop there, and I want to I want to continue here in just a moment. But I really want to deal with tonight: Why did the children of Israel fall away? Why did they, after God told them, "This is what I want you to do," and then they don't do it, and then God sends these different nations to uh, be thorns in their sides and to take over them, and then they cry unto God, and then God brings up a judge for them, and then the judge delivers them, and then what happens a few years later? They go right back into the same scenario. It's that falling away it's that turning as we would say today the turning away from our faith all right what we believe let me read a couple more verses let me now get your attention again was that my glasses that just went that direction i got another pair you don't all right thank you sorry if it's not my watch it's my glasses all right thank you so much for doing that i appreciate that all right look at verse number uh, 16 with me now here's let's pick it up a couple more verses nevertheless Verse 16, the Lord raised up judges. Are you there tonight? Chapter 2, verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judge, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their, their own doings nor from their stubborn way. I'm gonna stop there. I think we get the picture uh, tonight and uh, we'll pick it up. Father, now again, I just ask, and then you give us the words to say, bless your people. Lord, thank you again for... Lord, the service already, and again, what a joy it was to be able to hold the two babies of life that you've given to the families, and Lord, again, to see the children in our church, help each of them to grow up to serve you, and Lord, again, just put your blessings upon them. Help us as a people tonight, Lord, this thought, help us again to uh, see how it applies to us, and Father, may we not be one of those that it would be said that they fell away. Uh, Lord, help us again stay faithful and true to your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church family, in the book of Judges, the seven cycles, they kind of follow uh, the judges, all right? Now, I'm not going to turn to the passages, but Othniel was the first judge, and then they, they served God, Othniel was judged, and they turned away. Ehud was the second judge, and so Shamgar the third, and then after Shamgar, they turned away again. And then you had Deborah the judge, they turned away. You had Gideon the judge, the children of Israel turned away. Then you had Tola and Jer, and they turned away. Then you had Judge Jephthah, 
Ibzan, Elon, and Abdon, and then they turned away. And then you had Samson, and they turned away. So the cycle is going on in the book of Judges to where, okay, God tells them what they're supposed to do, and then they, they turn from it, then God judges them, and then they say, God, we're under all this captivity and all this... Uh, uh, this pain and affliction and God says, okay, I'm going to come through and he delivers them and he gives them a judge. So we understand the book of Judges in that sense that this cycle kept happening and they kept, they kept falling away. Now tonight, the message tonight comes from chapter number two because I believe in chapter number two at the beginning of the book of Judges, God tells why the children of Israel kept this falling away. Hey, listen, I'm glad uh, you're here tonight, amen, and I'm glad that you're here for service and tonight you might think to yourself, well, pastor, we're here on a on a Sunday night service and you know we're not one of those people that are going to fall away but but all of us are capable of coming to a place in life where okay I don't believe that any longer I'm not going to live as the, as a person has said before I'm not going to live that way any longer and church I mean, that's what the children of Israel did the children of Israel had God God Almighty that led them to that promised land and of course performed miracles and did all these things for them and they had a heart for God but then another generation, kind of what we talked about this morning, another generation comes along the scene and all of a sudden, you know, you know where's God? What's he doing? Why are we serving him? And tonight, if, if, if there's no other reason for the message tonight, may it be for our young people to understand why they do what they do and in the sense of, I don't need to fall away. All right, we have the truth, amen? And of course, Jesus is the truth and we've got his word. Now, Tonight, I want you to look at the passages. I'm going to quickly run through these as quick, quick as I can. Uh, there's only 72 points tonight, so we'll run through them really quick tonight. Again, I want you to see, here's the first thing I want you to see. Look down in your Bible again, verse number seven. I think the one reason there was a falling away is because in verse number seven is because of lack of leadership. Now, look what happens here. These three generations that I alluded to earlier, chapter two, verse seven. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. That's generation number one. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, that's generation number two. All right. Now that second generation, it goes on to say, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And then in verse number 10, it says, and also all that generation, in other words, the generation that outlived Joshua, were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose, here's the third one, another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Now, Church family, think tonight, God blessed Israel when there was a man named Moses that led them out of, the, out, of the, out of Egypt to the promised land. When Moses was going to go off the scene, he told the Lord, Lord, you're not going to leave them, if I can put it in my own words, you're not going to leave them shepherdless. He says there needs to be a man that will lead them, and God said, it's Joshua. Joshua's going to be the next one that leads him. And we have the book of Joshua, and they separate the, into lots uh, the uh, land of the Canaan, Canaan land for the children of Israel. Uh, and Joshua was that leader, and they followed Joshua, all right? And uh, Joshua was a great leader, okay? Now, the elders that outlived Joshua would have been that generation that they still saw some of the miracles, a uh, uh, little bit different in the sense that, uh, you know, Joshua, he knew the Lord, he talked to the Lord. Joshua was there when they marched around the walls of Jericho and the walls fell down. Joshua was there when the parting of the Jordan River and they walked over on dry ground. Um, it was Joshua that was in that battle and he asked for the Lord for the sun to stand still and for an entire day they finished the battle and the sun didn't move. The, all of these things took place. Joshua was a, was a man of God that God used. He's mentioned in the hall of faith. Then there were those people who were with Joshua. All right, now, just uh, for sake of illustration tonight, I want you to help me out here, sake of illustration. Um, I'm 51 years of age, so let's go ahead. If you're 50 or older tonight, um, 
could you do me, could, would you mind standing? I want you to stand if you're 50 or older tonight. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna ask your age, okay? If you're 50 or older, all right? I am so sorry. I'm splitting some homes here. I didn't mean to do that. I should have thought ahead on this, okay? All right. <laughs> yes, yes. You, you did very well tonight. Thank you very much. I am so sorry, Mrs. Schofield. I don't mean to embarrass you that you're older than your husband. I will not tell anybody, all right? Um, now, if we can make the parallel really quickly tonight, because this is what I want you to see, and again, the scripture doesn't give us ages, but in Joshua's situation, let's just say for a moment here that this is the first generation. This is the generation that walked over on dry ground. This is the generation that saw the walls come down. This is the generation that was with Moses to a degree, and even with Joshua, all right? You may be seated. Thank you so much. The second generation, the Bible says, are those, the elders that outlived Joshua, all right? Now, just for Again, just for illustrative sakes, there's not a magic age in the scriptures, okay? But if you're between the ages of 20 and 49, or you're not, you're not the first group, but somewhere between 20 and 50, would you stand, if you don't mind, for just a moment tonight? All right, so this second generation, this second generation, let's, let's parallel it with the Heritage Baptist Church for a moment. This second generation was here uh, when we were over on the old site. They would have been the three, four, and five-year-olds, maybe even early teens. This is the group that 20 years ago um, you would have been able to take buildings down and you were here to set buildings up. You were here for reaching Kansas that took us two and a half years to put tracks on every door in the state of Kansas. You were here for a lot of those things. You were that generation that would outlive Joshua uh, and, and, and you were the ones that saw the miracles and you partook even in those miracles. All right, thank you for maybe seeing it. All right, last group. Then there was another generation, the Bible says. And again, I don't have a particular age. Again, we're just illustrating tonight. But let's just say for a second that you weren't part of the first group and you were not part of the second group, but you're every age basically from 19 on down. If that's you, would you stand tonight? All right? Would you stand tonight? Now, just tell me, in this picture here, this picture is the ones who really didn't get to take part in the miracles. They did not get to see actually even the miracles per se. This is another, gen the Bible says they didn't even know God. This generation did not get to see the miracles. In our situation here at Heritage, this would be the generation of this new group that's coming up. The buildings are already built. There is no reaching Kansas for them to do. Now, there's other ministries for them to do, but what I'm trying to say is this, is a, this group does not think the same as the second, the, the second generation. And by the way, the second generation doesn't even think like the first generation. All right, you may be seated. Thank you very much. Now, what God's trying to teach us here is that the reason there was a falling away is because you had three generations later. You had a first generation of Joshua, you had a second generation of those who outlived Joshua, and then you had a third generation who didn't even know Joshua on a personal level. He just wasn't there and did not know what God had done, done for them or through them. Can I tell you that when there is a lack of leadership like Joshua, you are going to have a falling away. Now, Trisha, I want to tell you something. I, uh, I think you and I, again, that first and second generation, you have lived long enough to see churches who have suffered without leadership in the church. And I want to tell you something. The reason God calls us sheep and he calls an under-shepherd to take care of sheep is because when sheep don't have a shepherd, you have problems. I had somebody call me this last week and said, hey, listen, we're without a pastor. And I want to tell you something. When somebody calls and says they're without a pastor, I cringe because when you get church people together and you don't have leadership, and leadership is what God set up, pastors and deacons, he set that up. When you don't have leadership, I want to tell you what happens. You start having a falling away. You have a falling away. Listen, I, my father's in heaven now, and obviously, 
I can't tell you for sure what's right or wrong or what should or shouldn't have happened. But my dad's, my father's been dead, I think this year is 15 years, if I remember correctly, I lose track of time, but I think it's 15 years. My dad pastored the same church for 33 years. When he passed away, now obviously he had a heart attack. It was very spontaneous. But they, they never got another pastor. That church still today is, is being run by an intern. In other words, a person that's filling the pulpit. And those same people, the church hasn't grown at all. In Sauk Village, I want to tell you something. I'm not, I know this is going on uh, on internet. And I know it's also recorded. I'm not criticizing. I'm so thankful for Sauk Village Baptist Church because I would not be here and God would not have let me do what I can do even as I do it if it wasn't for where I grew up. I love my roots. I appreciate where I grew up. And God had a purpose for all that. But I want to tell you something. I see what happens when you have a church that doesn't have a pastor. It's not healthy. It's not good for the people who are there. And you're not going to have, without leadership, you're not going to be able to see God do greater things or what he would like to do without having leadership. Church, listen, uh, Dr., I think it was uh, Dr. Lee Robertson said, everything rises and falls upon leadership. And scripturally speaking, that's not a quote out of the Bible, but scripturally speaking, God uses leadership to be able to give direction in our life. Now, we all have, we all have the Bible, amen? We all have a Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. But God also gives us leadership in our life, and specifically in this situation, the pastor. But Joshua was that leader. Now, I just want to tell you tonight, if anything happens to me tomorrow, you better not wait 15 years to get a pastor in here. All right? Now, perish the thought that would happen, but I'm going to tell you very, very simply, your, our Constitution spells out things, but I'm going to tell you very simply what happens. If anything happens to me, anything happens to me, then what you need to do is you need to, first of all, the three deacons, they're going to get together and they're going to talk. Then they're going to set up the three deacons. They're going to pull men from the church to get on a pulpit committee. Your pulpit committee could be anything from the three deacons up to 12. I wouldn't go more than 12, but I would get a, uh, and this is not all in writing, but I'm just telling you, you need to be thinking these things through because I want to tell you something. Churches not, are not healthy when they don't have a pastor because I want to tell you what happens. When all of the sheep who have their own opinion decide that they're going to do what they want to do, it starts causing div division. And you want to stay united. Best thing way to stay united is you follow the process. You get a, you get a, uh, you get a pulpit committee together. The pulpit committee begins to, the church begins to pray. The pulpit committee prays. And then the Lord's going to have people that will actually say, hey, listen, if the Lord wants us there, I'd be glad to come there. And then what happens? You have one coming at a time. Don't have three come in and have a pony show. And whichever pony looks the best, that's the one we keep. That's not how you do it. You find out which one God wants you to have come, and then you have that one person come and candidate, and then you, you know, the deacons and that pulpit committee will question him. That person can come before the church, and the church can question him, and the Lord will show you as far as who the next pastor is. Church, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm not, by the way, I don't go anywhere that I know of already, but I'm just trying to tell you that there have been churches who have died because of lack of leadership. You need a leader. You need somebody who, who loves God and has a desire to do God's will and want, wants the church to continue to go forward. You need that, all righty? Now, you've heard messages before, and I'm not, uh, this is not propping up the pastor tonight. I'm just trying to tell you that the reason there was a falling away out of judgeship number two is because there was no Joshua. And because after no Joshua, there were no leaders, there were no people, the elders that outlived Joshua. You don't find any name. In fact, God had to put a name in front of them when you had Judge Othniel. And he goes through those different, I think, 13 different judges or 16 different judges. And, and the reason that took place is because God said, okay, you need a leader. Let me give you one. Leadership is important. Just, I mean, you chose the Heritage Baptist Church because at this junction of your life, God's allowed me to be the leader of the Heritage Baptist Church. And you're not coming here because of me. You're coming here because of leadership. You know what leadership does? This is the direction we're going. Leadership's not a bad thing. By the way, the home is the same way. God gave the husband of the home to be the leader in the home. 
So that's why we follow leadership when it comes to the home. We follow leadership when it comes to the church. And I want to tell you that leadership is so important if you're not going to have a falling away. If we're going to have young people that believe what they believe, just remember, I don't even notice or not, when I, preach, when I preach in the book, I believe what I'm preaching. This is, not, this is not a, well, maybe it's this way. It's not a matter of maybe. This is what the Bible says. T tonight, when we're looking about a falling away, the reason there was a falling away, because there was no Joshua. The principle there is, is there needs to be leadership in our life. A person goes to the church and what happens is they have a bad, bad uh, situation, what I call get, they got burnt. They go to a church and they have either a pastor member relationship that wasn't the best or there was an offense of some sort. So they mark that off and, and like, they don't want to ever come under the leadership of the pastor anymore because of a past experience. Church, I want to tell you something. You can't change the fact that God put pastors in the Bible. All right. And as you've heard me say before, you don't stop going to a mechanic just because you don't like the mechanic, the last mechanic you had to. You still go to a mechanic. And when it comes to being, you need to be part of a church and you need to put yourself under the authority of the local church. And that authority again begins with the pastor. And by the way, the pastor is not a dictator. I think you can all understand. I don't put my nose in your business, but, I, but my nose is in every part of the business of the church because that's the overseer of the church. Amen. We need leadership. Amen. We need leadership and we need godly leadership. And tonight, well, again, we can see what the Bible says about that. But I, I see that the reason there was a falling away, the reason people stopped believing what they should believe and they turned away from God is because there was no Joshua. So leadership is important. Number two, look at verse number 10, chapter two, verse number 10. <clears throat> and also all, also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers and there arose another generation after them. Now look at the description of this another generation which knew not the Lord nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Just me, the second thing that I see is the reason there was a falling away. And if there, the young people at the Heritage Baptist Church, if you ever get out of church, if you ever turn your back on God, if you ever stub your nose up to your, teacher, your, your parents' teaching, I want to tell you what it's going to be a part of. Number one is because of not having leadership in your life. And number two, because you don't know the Lord. This another generation kept going through this cycle of apostasy all through the end of the book of Judges. And the reason they do it is because they didn't know God. You know, the previous generation, they had a Joshua who spoke to God face to face. They had a, God, a Joshua who saw the miracles of God. They had a Joshua who led them into battle and saw walls fall down. They had a, a, a previous generation that, again, that outlived Joshua, that saw the battles that God won for them and that gave them the possession of the land that God had promised them. So that generation knew God. This generation didn't know God. This what the Bible calls another generation. Now, church family, I think it's pretty clear here why this generation did not know God. Look at your Bible again. In verse number seven, the first generation, it says, verse seven, and the people, what did they do? They served the Lord. But look at the other generation. Look at verse number 11. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served what? Served Balaam. Verse 12, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed what? Other gods of the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord God to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served what? Baal and Ashtaroth. Just me, do you know how you know God? Now think about this. In this passage here, this generation, this another generation, they didn't know God. I want to tell you why they didn't know God, because they weren't serving the right one. It says that they, they served Baal, they followed false gods, they bowed to false gods. Hey, you know, part of you coming to church tonight is your service to God, and your service to God gets you to know God. Amen. Hey, if people fall away from God simply because they don't know Him, they start to backslide. 
They stopped having their devotions. They stopped going to church. And the farther your service gets away from God, the more your service gets to other things. And those other things cause you to fall away. I turn over. This is kind of an old thought, but I want you to look over to Proverbs chapter 2. You stay there in Judges. I'll come back there. But look at Proverbs chapter 2. To me, this defines how a person knows God very, very clearly. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. How can a person know God? All right, look at verse number 5 of Proverbs chapter number 2. The Bible says this. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find what? All right, so if I'm going to know God, I'm going to find the knowledge of God. What's the first word in verse number 5? All right, then. Are we together so far? Say amen. Do you see that now in verse number 5? So in other words... Whatever happened before verse number five is how I'm going to know God. Then shalt thou find, verse five, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Okay, so if the word then is in verse number five, what do I have to do in order to be able to find that knowledge of God or know God? All right, look at the ifs in verses one, two, three, and four. My son, if, all right, verse number two, so that thou, verse number three, yea, if, verse number four, if thou seekest. Now let's look at these four quickly. God says in verse number five, then you're going to know God. How is that the case? Verse number one, my son, if thou receive my words, you're going to have to read the word of God. If thou receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Verse number two, so thou incline thine ear, you're going to have to listen. So thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Verse number three, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, you're going to have to pray. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Verse number four, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, you're going to have to desire so in other words, in verse 5, then you're going to know God if you'll do these things, if you'll read, if you'll listen, if you'll pray, if you'll desire, then you'll, you'll know God. Hey, we've got a generation today that won't take any time to read their Bible, won't take any time to ask God to show them anything. They have no desire inside of them to seek it as silver in a search for his red treasures. And you know why? They're missing out on the then. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Hey, the reason there's a falling away, there's, the reason people are getting out of church, the reason people are not holding to their faith is simply because, no leadership, simply because they don't know God. Hey, tonight, the majority of you here tonight, I think, the majority of you here, here tonight, uh, some of the children are here tonight because the parents brought them, but the majority, I think, of people who come to, come to church is because you have a relationship with God and you want that relationship to grow. You want to know more about the Bible. You want to know more about God. You want to grow closer to him. Draw nigh to God. He draw nigh to you. I want to know him. So because of that, guess what? It's going to keep you from falling away. It's going to keep you from apostasy. All right? Changing your belief from the word of God. All right, quickly, let's look at another one. In Judges chapter number two, the first one was lack of leadership. Second one was not knowing the Lord. What was another reason that they... Uh, <coughs> that there was an apostasy throughout this book of Judges, a falling away, a turning of their faith. The next one, again, is several verses, and I want you to see, look at chapter 2, verse number 1 and 2, I guess. In verse number 1 of chapter 2, uh, chapter 2 is the angel of the Lord speaking to them. In verse number 2, the angel says, and ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Shushima, we already went through chapter number 1, verse 19, 21, 27, 29, 30, 31, 33, all of them saying that they allowed these Canaanites to, to dwell in the land. In chapter two, the angel says, hey, listen, you made a league with them and you did exactly what I told you not to do. All right, are you with me so far? So church family, listen, what caused this cycle of apostasy, a cycle of apostasy, what was the cycle? They sinned, God judged them, they cried to God, God delivered them. They sinned, God judged them, they cried, God delivered them. They sin. This cycle takes place seven times 
in this one book and God describes it in chapter number two. And the reason it was happening is because they were mingling with the wrong crowd. Mingling with the wrong crowd. All right, so we as Christians, uh, I use the term isolationist, we are not the kind that we're supposed to go hibernate from the rest of the world. But church family, we're not supposed to change the way we live in order to duplicate the world. You know, we're not isolationists. We're not supposed to go separate from everybody else, but we got, we're supposed to be careful that we do not intermingle with the world and become more worldly. You know what the problem with most churches are? The problem with most churches is, is that they've allowed the world to get inside the church so the church becomes worldly. Church family, the church is supposed to be the light and salt of the earth, so if that's the case, we're not supposed to be like them. Hey, I don't know about you, but don't you get tired of this philosophy of, you know, I, I'm going to be like the world so that I can reach them. That does not happen. That doesn't happen. What do most churches do? They change their music. They change, their, they change their separation stand. In some cases, they change what Bible they use. And all for this, well, we want to reach people. Or they want to say, well, we love people. Well, church family, we love people too. But we also love God, and God told us how we're supposed to live our lives. So you don't change the church in order to reach people. You reach people so that they can be, have a changed life like the Bible teaches them they're supposed to have. You know, we, we want to be, uh, I say we, the, most churches, they want to change what the church is to be able to, in other words, they, they think they have to change the church to be part of the culture. Uh, that's not what we're supposed to do, all right? We're supposed to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're supposed to get the gospel to a lost and dying world, but we're not supposed to change what the Bible teaches in order to reach people. We're supposed to give them the gospel message, and they choose whether or not they're going to, they're going to change. Amen. So this idea of mingling with the world, we have to be careful as Christians, Listen, church family, there, all of us are sinners. Somebody say amen. amen. Even as a Christian on your way to heaven, we still have things that we deal with in our life. All right, we all, we all understand that. But, but can I tell you, we have to constantly work at not letting the world permeate us. Well, the verses are so clear. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse number two. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Uh, what does he say in James 4, verse number 4? Ye adulterers and adulterers, adulteresses. He says, uh, if you're a friend of the world, you're the enemy of God. God says, you, you, can't, you can't do both. You're supposed to be separate from that. What does he say in 2 Corinthians 6, and verse, uh, uh, I think it's verse number uh, 17. 2 Corinthians 6, verse number 17. He says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And he said, I will be a father unto you. God says, you're part of my family. You're not part of their family. I want you to separate from that. Uh, I think sometimes when we preach on uh, separation and standards, sometimes the, um, the disposition comes out almost more than the position comes out. In other words, church family, I, we can be get, get, become very angry at sin, and that disposition of our anger of sin sometimes can turn a person off. But church family, that, it's not the disposition of what the preacher's trying to stress concerning sin in the world, it's the position that the Bible holds that, that we're supposed to grab a hold of and why we're doing what we're doing. This, I know that there's several of you, you get made fun of at work because of dressing like a Christian. And, but can I tell you something? It's the position of the Bible that causes you to stand out as a Christian. And we're not supposed to just blend in to this lost and dying world because that's what's gonna cause you to fall away whether you know it or not. 
you know, as long as you're taking a stand, the world has, has make, makes it known to you, oh, you're different. You're, you're not like them. You don't talk like them. You're not going to use the Lord's name in vain. You're not going to use a questionable language and bathroom talk and crude language. You know why? Because you're a believer. You're, you're not going to change your dress to match, match their dress because the reason they dress like they dress is because they're the world. You're a Christian. No, what happens is, is people decide they're going to give up on church. They're going to give up on God. All the things I've been taught all my life doesn't mean anything. And I'm going to tell you why a person falls away. They fall away because of lack of leadership. They, they fall away because that they don't know the Lord. They're not spending time in their Bible. They're not spending time in their devotions. They're not walking with God. Hey, church family, I'm going to tell you something. There's a bunch of people that say they're walking with God. Titus 1.16 says, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him. It's that what 2 Timothy calls and having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Hey, listen to what John said in 1 John 2, 4. He that saith, I know him. Now think about this. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. Hey, how do you like that for strong language? But you know what the problem is? Is a person is not, doesn't have leadership in their life. They're not, and by the way, some of it's not a matter of having leadership. It's accepting leadership. In other words, allowing yourself to be accountable. Hey, listen, we've got several young couples in our church right now, and you're that second generation. First generation is us old people. That second generation of people, you grew up at this church, and you know exactly what the Bible teaches. You've seen it and heard it all your life. But I want to tell you something, you as a second generation Christian, you're in your 20s and you're in your 30s, and if you're not careful, you're going to end up walking away from what God's given to you because it's a privilege that God lets you get saved at an early age, and it's a privilege that God lets you be a part of a church that preaches and teaches the Bible and tries to win people to Jesus Christ. That's a privilege. We shouldn't take those things for granted. But you know what's going to cause you to turn away? You're not having a walk with God. You say you are, but you're not. You know what's going to cause you to turn away from God? It's because you, you think that you can be like, all of your life you've been sheltered and you've been taken away from the world and now that you're in your 20s and 30s, you've got the freedom to be out in the world and you're quote unquote an adult and you think that you can see it. But I wanna tell you something, the children of Israel as a nation thought they could see it and God said, okay, that's enough. You can't mingle with the world and think that you're gonna be okay. Hey, listen, yes, go work your secular job and yes, be an example, but don't conform to what they are. Mingling with the wrong crowd will cause you to turn from the faith. It will cause you to fall away. And we must be careful that we don't do that. Quickly, there's one more tonight. I want you to see in chapter 2, look at verse number 19. Chapter 2 and verse 19 of Judges says this, And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers. Now think about this, church family. This is chapter 2. This is not the end of the book of Judges. This is chapter number two. This is before the seven cycles of apostasy. This is before all of the judges took place. God is telling them, this is what you're going to do. Look at verse 19 again. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they re returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their what? Nor from their what? Stubborn way. It, you listen, you know, no, this last one, but you know, you know what will cause a person to fall away? You know what will cause a person to, to be an apostate? T 
taught the truth, lived the truth, walk away from the truth, you know what it caused a person, apostasy following, you know what it caused them? Is a person who does their own thing. Person who does their own thing. You know what the Bible calls a person who does their own thing? Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. When you look at the Bible, you ever find out how many people messed up only because they did their own thing? Eve did her own thing. Achan did her own, his own thing. Demas did his own thing. Nebuchadnezzar did his own thing. Lot's wife did her own thing. The end result on every one of those was not good. But they all decided, I'm an adult. I can, go, I can do whatever I want. Uh, no one's going to tell me what to do. Church family, I'm the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church, and I still have people tell me what to do. Our supreme authority in our life is God, Amen. and then God's given us delegated authorities in our life. Amen. You should never get to the place where no one's going to tell me what to do. That's not a good place to be in. Yes, God, God as, again, as you grow up from home, you know, I always refer to it as the leash, <laughs> the leash, leash syndrome. You know, our kids are on a leash, you know, when they're, from the time they're a baby throughout elementary school, the, the leash is really short. And then we lengthen the leash when they get to junior high and we lengthen the leash when it gets to high school, but they're still on a leash. In other words, rules. Boundaries. Then they go to college. I, uh, I'm at that junction right now. Seth and Samuel are both, oh, Seth is, is way in Indiana, Samuel's here in college, but Samuel is in the dorms. So Seth and Samuel, that leash has gotten really lengthened. And to be honest with you, for me, personally as a dad, that, that, that uh, section of the leash was probably the most difficult for me. Because when my kids are in my house, I know exactly where they're at. I know exactly where they're going. I know exactly, you know, as far as when they're going to go to bed, when they're going to get up. I know what jobs they're going to do, who, what people they're going to associate with. Okay, when my kids went to college, at least it's awful long. I know there's no doubt that they, there's a certain amount of freedom that a person does. I remember when I went away to college, my first time of college I went to was Fairhaven, and it was 45 minutes from home. And when I went away, it was like, wow, dad's not over my shoulder? Mom's not asking me, where are you going? There's, there's so much more freedom. I got to make my own decisions, do what I want. A lot of, a lot of choices. That, that leash gets, gets so long. But can I tell you something? It's not long. There's not a leash. And it goes back to what I said this morning. The hardest thing that you will ever do in your life is say no to you. You know, what's, what's going to keep you here a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now? And I'm not talking about necessarily you have to stay here, but what's going to keep you in church one year, five or ten from now? What's going to keep you, you know, right with God and serving God? What's, what's going to cause that to happen? I want to tell you what's going to cause it to happen. If you're not going to have a falling away is you need leadership in your life. Amen. I struggle sometimes preaching this morning. It was one of those mornings. I struggle because... Um, I want, to, I want to give a message, basically, what God tells me I want to tell you, but I never want the message to come across that I'm telling you it. I know it sounds crazy. It's kind of just words to you maybe, but, um, you know, when preaching, uh, preaching is not to, uh, preaching from the person is not preaching me to a person. Preaching collectively is the Holy Spirit speaking to all of us, right? All right, so I hope you understand, we understand that. But sometimes when I'm preaching, I don't want it to come across that I, 
I'm not happy with you because it, it, what, the way you live your life as a congregation, that's not up to me. Now, I can give an account to God with joy or with grief based on your personal decision, the Bible says, as far as to God. But to be honest with you, I'm not going to lose sleep on whether or not you do right or not in the sense of I cannot make you do right. So the preaching, I don't ever want to come across. You're not my children. You're God's children. You're not my people. You're God's people. I just want to simply know what God wants me to say, and then I want God to speak it. And I never will ever speak at cathedral because I'm not God and I don't have a glorified body. But I definitely want to be able to say what the Lord once said during a service. And I do care about you, and I do want you to do right. But you have a decision to make. And, uh, and just like, um, you know, even our own family, sometimes our kids don't make all the right decisions that they should make. But you can't change that. And the older they get, the more freedom they have to make those decisions. Well, some of you are in that position right now. You're not in high school any longer. You know, you're having children. You're have, you have a home. And in some cases, you're older. But can I tell you, what's going to keep you connected to the faith, what's going to keep you connected to God and keep you right with God is leadership in your life. You need somebody. Leadership. What's going to keep you connected? You on a regular basis knowing God, spending time in his word and letting God speak to you and having a walk with God. That's what's going to keep you connected to the faith. Amen. Just remember, we're, the, the word denomination simply means name. We are not a denomination. We belong to a person. That person is Jesus Christ. Amen. You're part of a Baptist church, but you're, you're, something, you're part of something bigger than the word Baptist. It's called Jesus. So what keeps you connected to that faith? Leadership keeps you connected to that faith. What keeps you connected to that faith? Your personal walk with God of knowing God. What keeps you connected to that faith? Not intermingling with the world and worldly things and worldly lifestyles. What keeps you connected to the faith? Not doing your own thing. Not doing your own thing. I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. I don't even know what's going to happen tonight. All I know is so far my watch has not talked to me. Church <laughs> family, if Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, who was first, was before that a fellow soldier and fellow laborer with Apostle Paul, I'm just telling you, every one of us could fall away from the faith. It could be something personal that happened in your own life that caused you to get discouraged. It can be an offense with a church member. It can be pastor preaching. It can be anything. And you know what you're going to do? Because backsliding is always a slow, gradual process. You're going to start getting out, out of your devotions, out of being a witness, out of coming to church, out, out, out. And then all of a sudden someone says, man, what happened to so-and-so? Well, they're not going to church anywhere. What? I'm telling you tonight how that happens. No leadership in your life. I'm, I'm telling you, I know exactly from the scripture here from the book of Judges, I'm telling you exactly how it happens. It's intermingling with the world. It's doing your own thing. It's not knowing God. Keep your walk with God right. Allow it to have authorities in your life and leadership in your life as far as God's direction. Be careful that when you leave this church service and you go out into the world and you have to go out into the world and you have to do your job and those things, but make sure that you don't intermingle. Do not invite the world into your home through internet or television or whatever it else might be and you become more worldly without you even knowing that you're becoming worldly. You know why? Because one day you're not even going to church. 
if we started tonight, we could all start listing names of people who either grew up in this church or grew up in a church, and they're not even in church at all today. In fact, in some cases, they hate God. Hate. Happened to Israel, happens to Christians. May we not have a falling away. Stay connected to the Lord. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?